Lots of messages praising the performance on Tuesday night's win against Doncaster. Steve B thought the midfield had a much more crew feeling about them, whereas Adam Turner wants to be in the ground to see those games. Peter Sandland said it was a great performance and he wasn't nervous about conceding either. Mark Bertels echoes that hard work, defensively sound and exciting on the ball, the perfect performance. Lots of players coming out of the game positively, Alex Smith saying Rio and Dale on fire, Andy O'Neill, another person who picked those two out for praise. Luke Bevington agreeing, saying Rio is ready for next season already. Adam has Owen Dale as man of the match. Neil mentions it was great to see Mandron's work rewarded, and Jimmy wanted to single out Charlie Kirk for his work rate. Keith, on the other hand, doesn't want to single anyone out as everyone had a great performance. On a similar theme, Trevor Griffiths doesn't think anyone in League One can beat that 11 when they're on their game. Tim Tantrum agreeing, saying he's waiting to see us take a team to town after performances like that. James said it was a deserved win, but we still need to be more clinical in front of goal. And Jonathan Ditt says it's nice to have completed the double over a team. Another James, James Lindsay, he says, Fortress Gresty Road, 11 unbeaten at home. About that fortress and onto Saturday's game versus Burton. A lot of people were unhappy at one thing from this crew team. Graham Miles, David and Tim Green couldn't get over the lack of fight shown when we went behind. Alexandra 6077 said the defender was all over the place and crew had nothing in attack. Ben Benson can't get over how the players were the same on Tuesday as they were on Saturday. Well done, anyone who stuck out for the full game. H. Robinson gave up at half-time. Ant Copeland got to 75, but Andrew Copeland managed to get to 94 minutes before he called it a day. Ment 1967 says it's becoming like when we sold Dean Ashton. And our own Tim Robinson struggled to come up with any positives, but Pete helped him out with two. Carla Mainly getting some minutes again and the fact that we weren't there to see it. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. We'll be looking at our two games this week and I'm guessing you would be like me and have two very different feelings about the two games this week. So to talk about that, as ever, I'm going to need the panel. Today, we have Aaron Lewis. Hi, Aaron. Hi, you right, guys? Steve Dale. Hi, Steve. Hello, how are you? And Russ Fern. Hi, Russ. Hello there, how are you doing? So, guys, I'm almost tempted to start with the Burton game, get out of the way, and finish on the positive that was Tuesday night against Doncaster. But I suppose we should keep with the format and keep it in the correct time frame. Uh, so we'll talk about Doncaster first. Back to the classic 4-3-3 that we're used to. Two wingers, Kirk and Dale supporting Mandron. Happy to see that, Russ? Yes, it makes more sense on my eyes. I know what's going on. It's less chaotic. I think the players have better understanding of it as well. I don't know what your guys' opinion on the 4-4-2 was, but it just makes more sense for the players we've got, I think. I feel like I was on the podcast after we first changed to the 4-4-2, and I was a bit shocked, but I thought it worked really well in that one game. But I feel like it was maybe other teams expected us to play the 4-3-3, so we threw them off a little bit. Mm. We know we seem to know what we're doing far better after three or four games. We seem to know what we're doing far better on a 4-3-3 than we do on a 4-4-2, and it just does seem to work for us a lot better. It's great to have the 4-4-2 in the locker to, to bring it out to absolutely dazzle teams, but... It can't be the norm. Yeah, it's, it's a plan B, and it's good that we've actually got a plan B for once, to be honest. You can see from their point of view why they do it in terms of 
Chris Porter playing and he's got a goal in, but then we've also got the option that we're using a 37-year-old to get us a goal all the time, mm. which is a little bit concerning. It brings more height to the team as well, I guess. And for that Atkinson game that we, we brought in for, they, they're quite a tall physical side, aren't they? So it made sense. But, I mean, we, should, we probably should have played against Burton as well, but we'll get on to that. Um, but for this, for the Doncaster game, I think 4-4-3 was... Uh, 4-4-3, yeah. We, yeah, we, we played with an extra play. man, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> man yeah uh, we tricked them all. Little Tommy Lowry counts as half a player, I think. A 4-3-3 was right for the uh, Doncaster game. Okay, so the first thing that I wrote down that happened on Tuesday was a goal conceded, again, from a corner, but this time it was disallowed. Did anyone, or does anyone agree with me that I think Dave Richards got fairly lucky with that decision? He sort of half went up for it, sort of moved out of the way, got pushed out of the way maybe, the ball went in, ref blew up. Steve, what do you reckon? Yeah, there's far too much much leanings for keepers. He's He's our goalkeeper, so I shouldn't really say that and say it's a playing foul, but it wasn't. Uh, I've actually got a Doncaster mate that I don't know if he listens to this or not, but he, he was texting me throughout the game. And he, he he texted me about four or five swear words and that goal had been disallowed at the time. So that's how it felt from their point of view. It was fortunate, I think, definitely. But if it's if it's something that happens in football, we see it a lot with the Premier League. Keepers are very well protected, aren't they? So it's yeah. all understandable. But yeah, I'm going to move on because I feel like we're going to uh, break that emergency glass about goalkeeper discussion again. <laughs> but I feel like we've uh, moved yeah. away from in recent pods, but possibly come back to today. I put a tweet out at halftime saying, great half, really well uh, played by most of the team, but we still haven't scored. Aaron, were you nervous that it was going to be another one of those games at halftime? Yeah, I mean, it felt to me like, you know, we've seen this game before. I know what's going to happen. Um, especially in that first half, I was sitting there thinking, uh, does do some of these players need to rest a bit more? Do we need to rotate certain other options in? Uh, I thought in the first half, Charlie Kirk looked like he was a little bit out, but then that quickly came to bite me because I think he was probably one of our better players in the second half. Um, so maybe I'll stick to that opinion too strongly. But yeah, uh, the first half felt very much like we've seen this one before. But then, Russ, what happened second half? We scored a goal, one of those fabled things that only only we can only dream about. A goal. On a Tuesday. We only do it on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. What's more rare, a Mika Mandron goal that wasn't in the six-yard box. Incredible. Great footwork, I thought. Great from Charlie Kirk. I thought he overran it a little bit. Could have played the ball a little bit earlier, maybe. But who am I to criticise when we actually scored a goal? Was he offside? What do we think? It looked like he might have been. If, uh, he definitely was. I think if that goal had been scored against us, I'd have been certain that he was. I've got to admit, looking back now, I was I was fairly harsh at the time. I don't know if it's because, like we've said already, that we've seen that game four or five times already this season, lost one nil. I was getting a little bit frustrated with it, but I was screaming at him when he had that ball in the box. It just seems like he could ever put it in the net. Uh, I've, I've seen it a couple of times back, and it happened fairly quickly, actually, but in just that moment, it just seems to take absolutely forever. Yeah. I thought he did really well to... I think he's a player that isn't a natural finisher, so you'd be, well, you wouldn't forgive him, but for him to just slash it with his left foot, I thought was almost likely to happen. So for him to chop it back onto his right and then and then smash it, I thought that was quite a big step for him, to be fair. And then after the goal, which, you know, it was a good goal. It was good work from Tommy and Charlie Kirk to sort of win the ball back fairly high up. And then oh, I think it was probably offside, but it doesn't matter. It's a crew goal. It was fairly comfortable after that. Um, Doncaster... They had a few chances, but there was no real like standout moment where you thought, oh, they definitely should have scored that. 
was it nice watching a crew team that looked quite competent at the back for keeping a clean sheet? I'd say uh, it, it for me, it feels like we have we have these sort of games where we seem to play quite well against some teams, but for whatever reason, they're obviously not better than us, but they just seem to have our number. And I feel like in probably both the Doncaster games this year, we've been on the other end of that. We seem to have just not necessarily been any better than them, but we've just had their number. We just know how to play against them and we've ended up getting two good results out of it. When I was looking back and thinking about it and watching the highlights, um, I just, of the game, I just keep thinking about them having the ball around our box, but then not being able to actually break into the box and create chances. And I think it was similar to, I can't remember which game it was, but a game a few weeks ago at home where they had a bit more of the possession, but they couldn't actually break, break us down. And that's a big step again because we have got quite a leaky defence. I also think I'll, I'll divert away from the game itself. And in terms of along the pitch, we've played Doncaster twice now who are up there. And I'm not, we, we haven't outplayed them by any means, but we've been the better team on both occasions. And it just, just makes you think whether we have underachieved a little bit. I, th- I think, personally speaking, it's, far, it, it's too early for us to even think about the playoffs because I don't think long-term it's the, the greatest thing for us. But maybe this team probably could have done a little bit better this year, just judging by them two games themselves against Doncaster. I think... You know, we are where we are because I think Aaron sort of mentioned it just a second ago. We are pretty good at competing in most games. We've been outplayed a few times, but not many. Uh, We've definitely lost ones that we shouldn't have done, but we're in mid-table because we've lost those games and we shouldn't have done because certain teams are just better at beating crew than we are at beating them. Gillingham springs to mind. You know, they got a lucky three-point crew. And then they absolutely bossed us at their place. Swindon. I mean, let's not try and bring that one up, but I just have. <laughs> Don't want to trample on uh, on previews too much, but this game coming up ahead could be another one of them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a terrible record down at Northampton. I, I absolutely, I absolutely hate going Northampton. I've been three times and all three have been absolutely horrific performances. Yeah, I didn't go last year, but the year before I was there and that was, I think I was ready to go after about 20 minutes. A little bit like Saturday's game. Okay, before we get on to Saturday then, were there any players that you thought stood out needed a mention after their performance on Tuesday? I feel like we're about to be fairly critical. So let's try and be positive about a win uh, before we do. Russ, who stood out for you? Uh, I've got two names, Rio Adebisi and Owen Dale. I thought Rio Adebisi, I didn't expect him to be a top left, uh, top right back. Um, he's got a long way to go to fill the boots of Perry and G, I think, but... He's, he's making strides. He's, I think he's a lot better of a right-back than Travis Johnson is, which is a weird thing to say, considering Travis Johnson's meant to be the right-back. But I thought against Doncaster, he was absolutely superb. I think every time he's on the ball, he looks a lot more confident than he did in those that Gillingham game, where he, I think, was that his first game sort of, of this season sort of type, type of thing. But he just looks a lot more confident on the ball and he's a lot less scary when when a defender's running at him because he's got that pace to... And he's sort of got the know-how how to make a challenge now, which is great. Uh, Steve, do you want to take anyone else? Uh, Luke Murphy. I thought yesterday, especially, I thought in the first half, he was the only one I could pinpoint and say he could hold his head up. Uh, hold his head up. I think he's been brilliant in the last few weeks. He's just got, he's just got, he's just become that player that I think we wanted to sign that leader in there, a bit, bit more combative, a bit more of a presence, if you like. I, I, I think yesterday, especially, I think when a lot of people were going under, especially in the third half, I think he. Stood up a bit, stood up, which is what you expect someone of his age to do in that position. Aaron, is there anyone that you um, haven't spoken or hasn't been spoken about that you would like to from Tuesday? 
Um, I just, like I said, I, I mean, the ones I picked up on were Rio uh, that Russ said, and I think I'll double down on, on particularly in the second half. Uh, Kirk, I thought was probably our best player. I think for the for the game, um, I thought he was always in there making making an issue of himself. Um, well, I guess it's pretty much business as normal from what we expect from Charlie. I think at this point. Yeah, the one that no one's mentioned yet that I looked out for, well, not looked out for, but I noticed, but possibly because of my Holmes Chapel bias was Tommy Lowry. Um, I really hope we get another year watching him because when he plays like that, he is just an absolute joy to watch. So, yeah, I would really like Ryan Wintle, Charlie Kirk, etc. to still be playing next season. Don't see it happening. But if we can just keep Tommy Lowry for one more year, I'd quite like that for these guys. I personally don't think he's ready to move on yet, but I think if I was a scout, I'd certainly be looking at him now Now knowing what the sort of player I think he's going to be. I think, yeah, I think he should have at least another year left. But I agree, definitely. I think uh, if it wasn't for his for his injury that he had last season, if you know you sort of follow that trajectory, he probably would have been, you probably would be thinking he'd be moving on this this summer, but uh, hopefully that means you know the, the cloud, the silver lining of that cloud means we will get another year of him, or at least till till January. Yeah, it's only fair. We lost a year of him last year, so we'll keep exactly one year. Yeah. Um, lastly, then for the Doncaster game, we did a double. I wasn't sure we were going to get any of them. That was nice, wasn't it? Right. Saturday. Where do we start with this one, uh, Russ? I'm going to let you try and uh, answer um, yeah. that question. Where do you start? Oh, are we going to start at the beginning with the uh, the long throw that just? caused the most amount of havoc you've ever seen. I think literally everyone's grandma would have been able to defend that better. Even if it was just a single grandma in the box, she'd have defended that better than all of our crew team. It was it was ridiculous. I think, was it Owen Dare went up for the first header with a player and sort of got nudged off and then, then it went into the box and looped up. And then somehow Rio Adebisi is just like flying backwards through the box and falling over. Then Kane Hemmings has got, it's a very compact box and Kane Hemmings has got a lot of space. And even he scuffed his shot and had to put it in the second time. Dave Richard just falling about the place. It is the term is schoolboy defending, but that was worse than schoolboy defending. It was um it was something I think uh, Pete Morse picked up on on the commentary, and it happened two or three times on them long throws, and it was it very evident in that first one as well, especially. Why is Owen Dale the first person that's attacking that? I mean he's got a jump on him to be fair. Yeah, but still you've got a lot more physically demand, physically imposing um, players out there that should really be attacking that as being the first option to just yeah. get it clear or something. So weird. I didn't, I never understood that. And like say, it happened two or three times. I think I'm controlling with Speedy this morning just to see if Kane Hemmings is if Kane Hemmings is weirdly by some biological miracle a, a mother because we seem to be gifting. It, it must be, we it, it must be the most gifted hat trick in the history of football yesterday. Yeah, every single goal was a disgrace. I didn't really want to um, talk about them too much in analysis style because who wants to? Uh, we don't want to. No one wants to listen to it. So I just thought maybe we could try and rank them in uh, order of horribleness. Now, the most horrible for me was the one we've just talked about, number one. That was yeah. easily the worst goal. Agreed. I can, pinpoint uh, the, I can pinpoint the third one personally being the least worse out of the three yeah, just because absolutely. I think... At least Adebisi was trying to do the right thing and try and keep the ball. I can kind of forgive him for that. The, the it's other just two a bit slack, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it was just a bad mistake to make. The other two were just terrible. They were they were they were schoolboy defending. The order I came up with when I wrote this down, I had it in one, two, three. That was the most horrible to least horrible. Uh, Aaron, sorry, you were saying. 
Yeah, I was going to say, well, I definitely agree with you, and partly due to the fact that you get more and more resigned to the fate of what was going to ha- what was going on yesterday afternoon as well. By that third one, you're just like, okay, of course. But on that second one, I don't know if anybody else saw this. I don't think the commentary guys mentioned it, but did uh, did Omar Beckles handball that as well on the way through? Yeah, looked like it to me. Very possible. It's just another uh, bit bit of bad defending, I think. There. Let's it's almost about. like he's gone. Oh, I've handballed it. Might as well just give him a goal so the referee doesn't send me off for a last man handball. I don't know which one's better, to be honest. It was, it, it, that goal was almost like when you're playing in a field and you're doing freestyle with your mate and then he just decides to prank you and take the ball off you midway through. He was just that comfortable about Omar Beckles that he just seemed to surprise him when, when Kate Emmons came around the back of him. Let's talk about Omar Beckles then. He is a League One defender. We've been fairly conf- uh, complimentary about him all season. Uh, he's been really good. Uh, I think we haven't been over the top with our compliments. I think he's deserved it. Every so often... He does remind you why he is League One defender and not a Championship defender or Premier League defender, doesn't he? I think Pete Morse made a great point on comments yesterday, and it's something I've got to admit I've not noticed before. But when he said it, he was absolutely right. Where he said that, in terms of the way he plays and his mentality, when he makes one mistake at the start of the game, he just never recovers from it. He'll have he'll have one bad mistake and then he makes two or three in the same game. Which it was exactly exactly why he's playing in League One, is what you just said. Yeah, it was it was bang on the same as the Portsmouth away game for me. That whole first half felt very much like the same thing. Um, uh, the only difference being you kind of expect Portsmouth to be a good side, so it's, it's not that same pre-game expectation. And also that was away, whereas this is at home where we'd previously been very good. Um, but yeah, in terms of Beckles especially, that was he, he made a mistake and, and he did struggle to recover from it in the same way. And you wouldn't expect that. He's not a youngster. He's one of the experienced players in the squad. He he should be able to deal with a bit of adversity of conceding a goal. Uh, but yeah, like you say, uh, Portsmouth away. There was Fleetwood at home as well, where he made that mistake and then seemed to struggle for the rest of the game. Uh, but as I say, on the whole, I'm very in favour of Omar Beckles. But yesterday, crikey. As we said, I think Grandma's could do a better job than that. No offence to Grandma's listening. Um, for, for a club like us and the way we produce players and everything else that comes with it, Omar Beckles has been that good for us that out of the four or five that are out of contracts, he's the one I want to see signed up the most at this stage. That, that's testament to how well he has done for us before we do get too harsh about yesterday. That's that's how well he has been. That's how good of a sign he has been for us. Does um, anyone come out of that game with any credit? Oh. Could you have any silver lining from that game? I mean, not really. Uh, I've got three names written down. I think Walker and Evans looked sparky. That's the word I've used, sparky. Not exactly sure what that means, but but also just a bit meh at the same time. They had sort of flashes of goodness, but then no real end products. You saw Evans doing sort of spins in the in the uh, midfield, but then not really doing anything else. And uh, Walker tripped a few people, but then just hit the first man with the cross. And I think we're going to talk about him a bit later, but Ainley thought he actually looked up for it more than anyone else did really and every time he got the ball he sort of tried to try to jinx a player or take it take it forward which I think those I think Ainley's probably the biggest biggest positive of the afternoon um and Walker and Evans need to do a lot more personally if they want uh, a proper career in the EFL I mean everyone was well I say everyone majority of them were poor and I could see what he was trying to do by changing up the forward line but but in, in reality, they were probably all unlucky because all the back five could have been easily taken off at half time if you had the players. When Kirk came off and went down the, uh, I think he did he go straight down the tunnel or he sat quite far away. He looked fuming, and I felt 
fair enough because he hadn't really, I mean, he hadn't played well, but he hadn't really put a foot wrong necessarily. So I thought he was unlucky to come off, to be honest. He yeah, didn't play well, but he was by no means one of our worst players. It's a bit of a surrender as well, though, isn't it? Taking him off when you're 3-0 down at home to take him off. It's just, well, the game's gone, which is a lot of the comments that we got um, after the game from people who message in about just no fight in that team. Now, Aaron, do you want another goalie debate? Or are we... Well, it's funny enough, leading on from that last point is, you know, we took uh, Kirk and Murphy came off at the same time. And for me, Murphy probably had our best chance in the first half. Um, early on, he has that great chance. And I just, at the time, I just sort of said to myself, it's just not happening for him in front of goal this year, for whatever reason. Because um, he's uh, he's sort of drawn out an amazing save out of Garrett that, you know, for one reason or another, is what you sort of get out of Garrett. I think um, what we saw yesterday was... The reasons why we got rid of Garrett in the end or why he left, but also some of the reasons why he's perhaps maybe better than what we've got at the minute. Yeah, I wouldn't personally. I saw some people on Facebook asking this question. I wouldn't personally have him back by choice, but out of the three goalkeepers in question, he's the best out of the three. So the two we've got now in comparison to him. I think that's kind of where I landed as well. It's like he's probably better than what we've got, but he's not really that much of an upgrade on what we've got. You wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. go out of your way to try and sign him. And you'd hope that um, Will Yaskaliden's going to come back from this spell as a better goalkeeper, and he's got a lot of years to improve still yet with uh, Yaskaliden. I don't want to get into the whole, should we bring him back? Because we've talked about, should Will Yaskaliden be dropped for about three or four weeks? So I don't want to switch it back again. Um, so I'll, instead, I'll change the subject and ask, what did you all get up to in the second half? Because for me, I... Uh, probably paid the least amount of attention to that all season. I spent the time trying to convince my dog who was asleep that he really wanted to play with a tennis ball uh, while he all <laughs> half trying to sleep without being bothered. That's how bad we were yesterday. The dog was bored and didn't want to do anything. Yeah, yeah. well, he spent half his life asleep, but well, more than half his life asleep. But It was like that away game where you're, you're leathered and you've had a good day and drink. You're back in the pub at half time. It, it was it, it was testament to just, just turn off, putting something else on and going, just going straight to your beer cupboard. Aaron, Ross, get up to anything fun during the second half? Because, I mean, it must have been anything better than watching the game. No, not really. Just thought I'd go double down and really upset myself. I uh, I will admit, I, uh, I did fire up the laptop and I thought, I'm just going to put Football Manager on. I'll I'll just, I'll keep one eye on the on the screen just in case we do mount some kind of amazing comeback and I can put it to one side. But I, I, was, I was slightly tuned out for that second half. The last note I've got is... Six minutes injury time. Was there any need for that? <laughs> we played seven and a half of that. Seven and a half. And you want just wasting time while they were taking long throws. No one wants that. Just blow the whistle. You say we played it as well, but they, they were out there for the extra seven minutes. But whether yeah, they played the yeah. second half entirely, yeah, I'm not sure. That's true. Stuart um, and his dog is quite symbolic of, of sort of crew in the football, isn't it? Come on, Tommy, you, you want to pass the ball, don't you? You want to play with the ball? Do no. something. Oh, oh he's asleep. He's lying down in the centre circle. Oh, he's asleep. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if my dog was called Tommy, then yeah, maybe that would be... <laughs> what, what's the dog called? Ernie. Oh, we, we don't have to play like that. Yeah. My analogy's been ruined. Sorry. Um, named after Ernie Tiger. He's right. named after a famous historical figure. Uh, that is what I'll leave it at as a history teacher. Bernie Cribbins, but without the B. That when this isn't 
what we're going to talk about, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so no wins on a Saturday in 2021 so far. That's an odd statistic. Is it also quite a worrying statistic? It isn't a stat I was aware of until yesterday. I'll be brutally honest about it. But yeah, it probably is a concern. I don't know whether, without putting accusation there, I don't know whether after transfer window and players moving on and whether people's heads have just been elsewhere, this high possibility. Or is everyone's hearts in it like they were pre-Christmas? Is this just like a weird statistical quirk? Were we looking too much into it? Is the correlation and causation thing here? Like, or is it just... It's probably looking too much into it, but, you know, it's, it's a podcast so we talk about it. Well, that's true, yeah. I don't want to just immediately close down the point of conversation. It's just really weird. Like, it's not that we're playing badly all the time. No. We're playing badly on one day of a week. It's just a weird statistic. Like, we're winning Tuesday games, but not... It's, it's a little bit concerning when you consider the lack of Tuesday games we've got coming up, though. Oh, I cannot wait for these <laughs> this Tuesday I'm going to go to bed at about 7 o'clock to make up for the 1am finishers for the last however many in a row it's been uh, I love watching crew I love talking about crew but I need a Tuesday off yeah so there was not really uh, a great deal of positives as we already said from Saturday uh, there's two for me one's quite a selfish one uh, I'll start with that one um, it gives us a new low point to talk about in our end of season review on the podcast rather than the Ipswich away. It gives us a new low point to talk about. Also, it was nice to see Callum Ainley, despite the fact he doesn't really, um, didn't really get much done, but no one did yesterday. Steve, happy with that? Yeah, Callum Ainley for me is the player that I wish we could have seen more of over the last couple of years. He's for me. He's he's the one who's fell victim to the fact that we have been ridiculously good, and when and when he did get injured, he was just starting to make that role his own at the time of it happening. So I was absolutely gutted for him. But it sounds like to me like he's 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 back playing now, just purely for his own hard work, and he's 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 put himself in a position to be back early by the sounds of it, which is brilliant from his point of view. He's come back really early, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm led to believe. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't sure we'd actually see him this season from when he got injured. Well, he's oh, out of contract, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. so I, I was surprised we'd ever see him again, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he's one of the ones that Dave Artel was talking about uh, is close to signing or wants to sign. From working out from what he said, you know, when he was very cryptic at the fans' forum, I think he was, Callum Ainley was the third furthest away from signing with Ryan Wintle being the one that's gone. I think Callum Ainley was probably the one who's probably not going to sign as well. I'd uh, like to be proven wrong. I think it's probably about... From my own personal opinion, not what I know, just from what I think, I think I'm as likely to be signed for crew next season as Ryan Winslow by the looks of it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, I've already written him off. He's not playing for crew next season. Uh, and, you know, there's something we've talked about before, the the possibility of just getting him out of the team. We're safe, 148. We're not going to go down. See what midfield's going to look like next year. Um, Luke Murphy in his role. Ainley and Lowry on either side. I think that sounds pretty good. Um, and Finney to come back post-injury with a bit with a goal in him. Griffiths and Lundstrom to come in as well. Um, so, yeah, start playing these players that are going to be here next year. That would be my... If I was in charge, that would be my what I would do. Okay, so that is the two games from this week discussed. Next, we'll be back with a look at this week's game coming up. Okay, just one game coming up this week. Uh, That means we've got a whole week to prepare for Northampton away. We should be nice and ready for them, Russ. 
I mean, no, not really. I don't like playing Northampton and they're a completely different outfit to what we played last time, really, aren't they? So I just, I've just dreaded it. I hate Northampton so much. I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't kept up with how Northampton have been doing all that strongly since like Keith Curl left as well. Are they still playing the same brand? Are they still pretty much the same side we expect to face? I mean, I wasn't around at this point, but I'm convinced having seen Northampton East Downs, they've probably been staying the same way since about 1925. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I think from what I see, because I follow a lot of the podcasts from League One on Twitter, I think they're a little bit more happy, a little bit more expansive with the football that they're playing. But I mean, in about two minutes, we'll have Charles on from the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast, and I'm sure he's much more informed about how Northampton play than we are. Who went to the home game? Russ, I know you did because it was yeah. the highlight of your season so far, unless that's changed. Steve, Aaron, did you go? I went and it was a highlight of Russ's season because he bumped into me at the train station. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, that's exactly the reason why, yeah. That was a fairly good game though. Well, was it a good game or was it a good result? It was a good game in the end. I'm not sure the game itself was particularly good, but, but, the, but the, the 94th winner and, and the whole fairy tale scenario of fans returning was brilliant. Yeah, the first half wasn't great. Second half was sort of typical crew, absolutely dominating, but struggling to get a goal. I think Owen Dale was at the back post with one and then left it extremely late. And if we hadn't got that late one, it's not a good game. But because of that late goal and the whole magic of the fans coming back, it was uh, definitely a good game. So we've just mentioned that they've got a new manager since we last played them. It will not be a problem or it won't be a shame is rather the better way of saying that, Aaron, not to have another game against the Keith Curl team this season, won't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, typical sort of thing of you never look forward to playing that kind of side. So not that I wish any, you know, ill on the bloke for losing his job or what have you, but I'm, I'm kind of grateful that we're not having to play against his side again. Yeah, he's got another job though. He's back in charge of Oldham now, so he's fine. Oh, fair enough. Then. Um, Oldham. I'm sure that he, I'm sure he'll stay at that job for a very long term, knowing how they go through <laughs> managers. Okay, so as I just said, we caught up with Charles from the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast. Hiya, Charles. Welcome back to the pod. Hi, Stuart. You okay? I'm good, thank you. Um, good. So the first question I've got for you today is, did you see the game at Questy Road between the two teams and what was your take on it? Yeah, I did. Um, it was a pretty good start from us. What was it? First two minutes or something like that. We scored pretty early on. Um, and then it completely, well, we fell apart, essentially. We were we were awful. I, re- I remember that was, that was the first game. I think we had a run of three games. We'd lost 4-0. I think that was the first game. So we lost, lost to you guys 2-1. And then we went on and we lost 4-0 to Lincoln and then 4-0 away at Oxford. So those three games were just dreadful around about that period of of Christmas time. Um, With the crew game, I just remember the fact that we scored so early and it was a decent goal. Free kick comes in, Ricky Holmes just, just crept in and does what Ricky Holmes does and, you know, fabulous touch to, to score. And then we just we just kind of went, right, that's it. We're a goal ahead. We'll sit back and we'll defend for 90 minutes. It was never going to be, you know, a, a case that we'd be able to actually hold out. I mean, crew are a good side. And as, as it proved, I think, on the day, because 
essentially, as soon as you got that first, you then went and got the winner. It, it was it was always going to happen. And I remember sitting there watching it, just going, "This is this is bad." If we hold on here for a win, it will be a miracle. And yeah, it it proved that it it would have been a miracle had it have happened because obviously you guys were just too good. And as I say, you found that first goal to equalise, and within moments you'd scored the winner. So it was it was a bad day for Cobblers fans, and it was the beginning of the end, I would say, for Keith Curl as well. Okay, um, I, yeah, you just mentioned that. Um, there has been quite a bit of change for Northampton since we last spoke. Um, now, I feel like this is an easy question for you to answer. Was it the right decision? Yeah, it was at the end of the day. Um, I was I was very much one of the fans that was... I, I will always support a manager, no matter what. I, I will always support them until basically the bitter end, until the point that I can no longer do it. But essentially, it got to the point those three defeats, as I mentioned, then we had a bit of a break because we were supposed to play Ipswich, I think, on Boxing Day. And and the game was postponed. I think Ipswich were having a COVID uh, issue. Um, So the game was postponed, which gave us a week off. Um, And I think we ended up having something on the long lines of maybe 10 days off before we played again. And the next game we played, we played Gillingham, we were 1-3-1, and it was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe those three defeats, he's got them going, he's got it back, we're okay, we'll carry on. But that was just a, a non-starter, essentially. It was it was basically like we'd scored all of our goals in that one win against Gillingham, and there was never going to be another sight at goal, let alone one actually going in for ages. And so by the time it came to uh, the Wigan game, which was a home game and we lost and it was a miserable game. Both sides were dreadful. And then Wigan scored and you could see it happening. You could see it. We just weren't, we had no attacking intent. We were exactly like you will have seen us last time. We were just very much, let's get a free kick or get a corner and try and score from them. And then if we do, then, well, we won't even try and make a second. We'll we'll literally just sit back and try and defend it. We just don't have or didn't have the, any impetus to go forward at all under Curl at the, towards the end. And that Wigan game was the final straw. Since then, John Brady stepped up from being the manager of the under-18s. And really, he's not done an awful lot because there's... Well, I, I say he's not able to bring in any players. He can only bring players in that haven't had a club. Um, he has done that with a, a lad called Alex Jones. He's played about four minutes for us and he's scored a goal, which is great. But he's not match fit. So he's not actually really coming on um, until, you know, the last couple of minutes of a game if we're chasing it. And... So on the most part, all he's really done is he's just turned around to the the players and he's just said, you need to go out there and play football. Stop thinking about you've got to hit it long and you've got to do things a certain way. Because one of the quotes that John Brady said after his first game was that he felt like the players had been put in a position where they weren't allowed to think for themselves. And essentially that was... Keith Curl's tactics was a very much, you think of that that behaviour where zoo animals, you know, the repetitive 
thing and and that's more or less what Keith Curl was doing with them was just going right this is the way you play so if you get the ball in the back four you just hit it long you look for the striker you just hit it long and that's literally all they were doing so without thinking every time a player got the ball they were just hitting it as hard as they could towards the opposition's goal nine times out of ten that's just going to land with the defender who's going to just then go oh thanks and in this league they're just going to go thanks very much let's have a play around with it make four or five passes and then suddenly they'll play a killer pass or a killer cross and they'll be in chance on goal so Brady has changed that mentality and he's not completely because you don't unlearn these things straight away so there are still times when frustratingly a player will just hit it without controlling it and taking the time that is there for them that you can clearly see. Um, But it is slowly coming together. And I think the biggest thing that John Brady has done is just give the players confidence and just turn around and say, you can play football. You don't have to just hit it long. You don't have to just play the long ball constantly. You can play. And he's got some of those players now that, that beforehand you were thinking, they're nowhere in these games. Our midfield was non-existent when we played you. Now we've got a midfield. It's brilliant. They all play a part in the game. Ryan Watson is our top goal scorer because he scored five in the last six games. You know, it's crazy how much that one thing of turning around and saying, just play football, just go out there and enjoy it and play football the way, I don't like that expression in fairness, that the way football is meant to be played, it's rubbish. You play football to win. It doesn't matter how you win. It's, It's winning that matters. But, Essentially, he has gone and told the players, go and enjoy yourselves, go and express yourselves, go and actually think for yourselves rather than rely on just hoofing it. Okay. So, I mean, we've, you've talked there about the uh, the changes that you'll see in terms of tactics, in terms of the fact that the, there's the new manager bringing that up. It's not quite fully changed, but it's getting there. Is there anyone else that we will see on the pitch for Northampton we maybe didn't see at the Gresty Row game? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of players. Most notably, um, it will be Mikel Miller, I think. Um, he, was, um, he wasn't he was at the club, I don't think. I think he came in just afterwards because he made his debut against Lincoln the following match. Um, he is a tricky winger. Although, and, and the one thing I will say, and I don't know whether you've noticed this, having come up from League Two as well, but a lot of the players in League One, especially at the top end, so you're talking about like the likes of Portsmouth, Sunderland, Ipswich, those kind of players, Charlton as well, who have got championship quality, the ball sticks to their feet a lot more. They're a lot better technically than what we're used to in in the lower division. Mikel Miller is that kind of player. The ball just sticks to his feet. Like so many times he runs at a play, takes a defender on and you think, oh, hang on a minute, he's been, he's been doubled up on here. There's no way he's getting through that gap. I mean, he might, but the ball's not going with him. And somehow it does. It's like magic. It's ridiculous. He's just a really good quality, technically, uh, you know, technical ability to footballer. Mm-hmm. However, he's not maybe as, um, he, he doesn't have that end product to go with it, unfortunately, at the moment. He needs to do more. Up until the start of yesterday's game, I was very much like he's got to be the first person on the team sheet because he's got that extra quality. But actually, maybe he does need a spell on the sidelines. So you never know, he might get dropped. The other player that you didn't see, I don't think, um, was Mark Marshall. Now, he was at the club. He played at Wembley, came on for Nicky Adams in the League 2 playoff final when Nicky got injured. Um 
but he was out in the cold under Keith Curl. He's been brought in, and yes, he's aging a little bit. Um, I think he's 34. Um, so he doesn't play as often as every single game. He's been on the bench for the last couple. But I tell you what, I think if Mikel Miller doesn't start, then he'll be the replacement. And again, he is he's he's exactly the same as Mikel Miller, except not got quite the the glue on his feet. Um, he's quick, he's tricky, he, he knows how to cross the ball. Those are probably the players that will stand out. And then at the back, Lloyd Jones has come in. I think he was possibly at the club at the time. Um, he signed on a, a short-term contract at the end of the season, just before January, uh, well, you know, that December window opened. Um, but he wasn't really featuring at the time. He's come in and we've kept so many clean sheets with him in the side. He's just changed that defence. Having said that, Bolger has gone out. Kian Bolger, who was our club captain, he's gone out onto the sidelines. He played a couple of games under Brady, but has since been either on the bench or not involved at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, a big change. I mean, the biggest thing that I think you'll notice is that we're no longer playing 3-5-2 and we're playing a more 4-3-3 slash 4-5-1 out of possession. Um, so we're on a back four rather than a back five these days. So I would expect it to be a little bit more of an open game this time around. And I, I hope, because we have done it in every single game since, I hope that we'll cause more problems to you than we did at Gressy Road in December. Um, so I've got two last questions then for you nice and quick, Charles. Um, the first one is, I feel like I know the answer. Um are you going to stay up? Because I think that's got to be the aim for Northampton now. You've just got to stay in the division. Is that going to happen? Heart says yes. Head says, hmm, <laughs> not sure. There's a long way to go. And the fact is, I looked at the league table yesterday for the first time properly, where I looked at the whole lot. And I was like, how the hell are Burton so high in the league? They were dead and buried. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I can't stand Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. He was a terrible manager for us. But him and Burton are just obviously like two peas in the pod. He's done wonders. Yeah. So all it takes is a, is a few wins and you are out of it. A couple of weeks ago when we had two wins on the bounce, we shot from the bottom of the league to, I think, 19th. So it is possible. So, yes, I'm gonna, I'll say yes, we can stay up. Whether we will is another question because it just seems like no team down the bottom wants to get relegated this season. Yeah, yeah. It's quite tight down there, especially now, as you say, with Burton getting out of it. Okay, Mm. last question then, Charles. Um, A prediction for the game on Saturday? Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one because obviously we're recording this on on Sunday, so we've got a full week ahead of us. And and actually, we've got a week um, without a midweek game for the first time since about 2012. Yeah. So... It's um, it's the first chance that John Brady is going to have to actually rest these players and to maybe spend a bit more time with them actually on tactical stuff. So far, he's literally just said it's been all about, and I'm, I'm sure Dave Artell has had the same exact problem, which is that it's just about keeping the fitness of the players mm-hmm. and being able to get them to play on a Saturday and a Tuesday, uh, week after week after week. So it'll be interesting to see. We were definitely tiring, especially in the last two games. You could tell that we were jaded. Um, so this week is going to do us good. 
because we're at home, we've got a really good little bit of a home record going now. We last two home games, we beat Portsmouth 4-1 and uh, Plymouth 2-0, the game before that. So I've got to be positive, I think, and I've got to go. I think we'll just go and reverse the scoreline that we had at Gresty Road, so it'll be 2-1. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for coming back on, Charles. You're very welcome, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Right. Uh, predictions then. Um, it's a bit of a poor week from our three panellists last week. Tim was the only one who got a point for predicting Crew's win over Doncaster. And then all three people went for a Crew win on Saturday. So no points there. That means it's all very tight at the top of the table. Steve Hatton is still leading the way on his solid one PPG. But in second place, and no one is going to believe this, with 0.78 is Russ. Yes! Followed by Tim, 0.76. With Mm. Alex, 0.73. Aaron, you are in fifth with 0.72. So there is 0.6 points between second and fifth place. So, I mean, that's much more exciting to talk about than any of the games that happened yesterday. James, he was on last week. He would rather I don't mention his score, so I'm going to move on from him. (laughs) You're welcome, James. Russ, as you're currently leading out the three of you on today, uh, Northampton away, what do you think? Oh, God. Um, I should really prepare for these, shouldn't I? Um, I'll go a 1-1-1-1. How many ones have you got? Many. Aaron, what do you reckon? Um, uh, probably going to have to stick with a 1-1 as well. I don't think we're going to beat them, but we're decent enough that I reckon we could get a point out of it. Okay, well, we're not going to win because it's a Saturday. So, Of course, yeah. Steve, I've not forgotten you. You are currently sixth in our table. Again, you're not far off Aaron on 0.66, so a good result with Northampton. We'll see you climbing up the table. What do you reckon? I'm going to go for a typical crew at Northampton performance where it's equally frustrating and I'm going to go for a 3-1 defeat, unfortunately. Although I hope I'm wrong come this time next week. Okay. Russ, I'm going to hand over to you as I think you've got a little fan hub update for us now. I do, I do, I do. Okay, so I think we're on, are we on week three? I think we're on week three of sort of general release and we currently have 36 fans on the app, although I have been told by the top brass that we are one of six clubs of the 92 that have uh, over 50 fans on it, but our leaderboard says we've got 36. I'm not quite sure how that works, but I'm sure it'll iron itself out. If you don't know what Fan Hub is, then it's an app made by the fans for the fans. Uh, lineup predictions, match check-ins, reading and listening to fan-made content like this one uh, will all contribute to your fan rating, which then gets put in a Crew Alex leaderboard and a national one. Uh, I did pretty well this week. Predicted the lineup for the Burton game completely right. You know what they say, never change a winning lineup. Um, how did you do, Stuart, with the lineup this week? 11 out of 11, uh, of course. Easy stuff, easy stuff. Uh, if you're not involved yet, then don't you worry because fan ratings are based on an average thing. So uh, if you join later, then you're not actually any worse off at all. Uh, last time we looked at the leaderboard, our very own Tim Robinson was top, but it's all changed since then. He slipped to 12th, just one place above me. And then Stuart's been bragging because, um, well, he's in the, the heighty position of 11th. Top place on the podcast is how i like to call that incredible Um, i'm very uh, happy for you thanks who's top for crew russ the top three currently stands like this i'll give you three not just top um third is the curiously named c a c a f c james 
absolutely no idea who he is, but well done. Uh, with a rating of 95.15. Uh, Second is Brad uh, Budden, I'm thinking, with a rating of uh, 96.36. And then top is Ant Copeland with the perfect rating of 100. That also means uh, from the leaderboard, the national leaderboard, which has over a thousand people on it, he is top. So I think, and I'm putting an emphasis on think, Ant, if you keep your eyes peeled on the FanHub socials, then you might win a, uh, well, you might be winning a FanHub shirt. Although I don't think Sunderland have played yet as the time of recording. So someone might steal your top. But if you've got 100, I'm assuming you're going to be at least joint top. I should also say that they slightly tweaked the algorithm for this week. Uh, so everyone's rating did actually massively boost up. I went from like 40 to like, I don't even know what I'm on, 80 something, which is ridiculous but everyone's on a, le a level playing field anyway okay that will do us for today russ aaron and steve thank you thank you very much thank you thank you as well for listening um we have got no player pod this week but there will be one out the week after so we'll be back on monday to announce who that is along with looking back at the northampton game until then goodbye Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.